Welcome back to Be More Super, the podcast, where we explore the world of entertainment with celebrity interviews from your favorite movies and TV shows. So grab your popcorn and let's get to know these stars better and what really makes them super. We are brought to you by PropStore.com, where you can find your very own piece of entertainment memorabilia from screen use props to costumes. Now, here's your host, Brian Garner. So on this week's episode of Be More Super, the podcast, we've got another great guest from one of my childhood films, literally. This man was my childhood for many, many years with The Mighty Ducks and many other films. It's Garrett Henson. Garrett, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Hello. And you know what? I, I, I... I do what I'm, I do. Oh, I can't even speak. I'll edit this out. Um, I do. Um, your my childhood was full of movies because, unfortunately, I didn't go out a lot because I got bullied quite badly when I was younger mm. for a stutter and uh, mm. slightly slightly overweight. So mm. movies was my childhood, and I've got to say, The Mighty Ducks as well as quite a few of your other movies, literally brought me up in my household so we're going to speak about some of the great movies that you've been in and also the mighty dogs but before we do the last two years have been quite dramatic to say the least Mm. um you know how have you kept positive and moving forwards during you know this pandemic that we've been in that hopefully we're seeing you know less of so how have you been kept positive and moving forwards yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I mean, I'm trying to stay positive. <laughs> you know, I think it was really, um, it was really a stressful time for everybody, especially in those early months when we didn't really know what it was we were mm-hmm. we were dealing with. And I remember, you know, uh, getting back from the grocery store and literally wiping every every item down, you know, with a disinfectant before we brought it into the house. And <laughs> it was it was so uncertain and. I, I think that um, I was really fortunate because, you know, I've I've got a family. Mm. And so there's just this built in um, camaraderie and friendship. And, um, you know, my my partner and I and, and my kids just hunker down in our in our place in New York. And as you said, it's similar to your childhood, you know, watched a lot of movies and and uh, and just spend time with each other and. We live in a small small apartment in, in New York City, but we have a little backyard. Uh, I, th- I think that was really our saving grace is to have some outdoor space and and just uh, try to have as much fun as possible. Um, and, and, and uh, you know, as as the... Sorry, go on. No, no, go ahead. No, I, no, I was going to say, you know, it wasn't easy as well. As, you know, you've got a, a li- little one and it's when it comes down to us, we're quite... You know, we, we, we know how to deal with things. So having a, a child in the family as well, you know, how hard was that? Because kids are quite resilient the best of times, you know, but keeping them busy. Uh, I mean, I don't know if uh, it was the same over there, but it was quite a lot of ho- homeschooling here. So mm-hmm. every parent turned into a teacher for quite a while. I mean, how was mm-hmm. that? you know, with the family, coping with that, and ov- and obviously, you know, trying to occupy your li- li- little one during the pandemic. Yeah, you know, the um, the school through Zoom for my kids uh, was was impossible. Mm-hmm. There, there was there was very little uh, being learned. 
Um, it was nice to get them on a Zoom so that they could see their classmates and mm. in that regard connect to that community that, that, that they were missing so much. But as far as the actual education goes, um, it was pretty much at zero. Mm. Um, I'm, I, I think I'm lucky. My, my kids are, are, are young. They're five and eight now. So in the height of the pandemic, it was more like, you know, whatever, three and six. And mm. so there wasn't that much education that they were missing out on. I feel very sympathetic for, for older kids, you know, junior high kids or high school kids where they were really at that critical moment of learning. Mm. And to miss out on that must have been really detrimental. Mm. Um, but uh, but yeah, so, you know, there, there, there wasn't much education happening. Um, but uh, but, you know, yeah, they they they're they are incredibly resilient. Mm. Uh, I was I was really amazed by how quickly the both of them accepted and adapted to wearing a mask every time they left the house. And that very quickly for them just became the new normal. Mm. And uh, they were, um, it's actually a bit more of a process getting the mask off of them than getting it on them, especially my younger one. He became so accustomed to wearing it. Mm. Uh, it almost felt like, um, you know, a disguise or a mask that he hid behind. And yeah. for him, there was comfort in wearing that, but it uh, prevented him from letting his personality really come out. Um, so by the time it got to a point where they were going back to school and, and this year they're, they're in school and they, they're not wearing masks, uh, I'm, I'm really happy about how far we've come. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think, you know, this pandemic has definitely shone a light on, you know, a lot of the positives about humanity and that giant reset button on, you know, kindness and thoughtfulness and how we treat each other. And it was really nice to see the, the support around during the pandemic on how nice people were. So, you know, it's really, really nice to see. But let's talk about your... Yeah, go on. Wait, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I just want to... I agree so much with you with what you're saying. Just, just one last thought I wanted to add is that I think that during the pandemic, people... A lot of people um, started to understand the importance of self-care. And taking care of themselves, whether that's, you know, five minutes of meditation or, or daily exercise. And really, I think there was like a, a restructuring um, as far as priorities go. And I think that, that uh, as a society, we, we learned a lot about what's really important. And as things are opening back up and getting back to normal, uh, I really hope that the masses remember those things that they've learned Mm. Those those small things that are so important for yourself. Uh, I hope that people hold on to those. Yeah, and I think that everything that we're going through now, especially with uh, fuel prices and cost of living here in the U UK, and I'm sure it's same. This, uh, you know, in in the states, <laughs> I think that you know these challenges are making us more resilient as ad adults as as well, and actually appreciating the little things. Um, so I don't see it as sort of a negative. I see it as an opportunity to grow, an opportunity mm -hmm. to to teach our kids, you know, how to be better adults and more thoughtful. But mm -hmm. but now talking about you when you were little. So so what pushed you into the career of acting? I mean, you were very young 
when you started mm. yourself. So mm. what was the, the, the thing that, you know, pointed you in, into that di- di- direction and pushed you into probably one of the most competitive industries known to man? Yeah, you know, for I, I know uh, a lot of my peers growing up, um, other child actors, it was something that they really wanted to do. And they, you know, convinced their parents to get headshots and to help them get an agent and to get them on auditions. And I always really admired that. I think that's so um, proactive for a young child to, to, to see something like that, to want it and to figure out ways to go after it. Uh, that was not me. Um, I was completely born into this. Uh, my father was a stage actor and my mother was a photographer in New York. And I used to just get carried around to, to auditions with, with my parents. And that's how um, I booked my first job. Uh, my mom was, as I said, a, a photographer, a photographer's assistant. And uh, I ended up in one of her prints. Uh, and so I started doing baby modeling and then, um, and then started doing some commercials and, uh, and then eventually film and television. And so by the time I could really remember uh, it was just something that I was already doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was just sort of, uh, yeah, that was just my life. And uh, it was something that I accepted. And it wasn't really until um, I was older and I went to college that I really stopped and questioned whether it was something that was really for me or not. Mm. I mean, did you feel like it was hard work when you was younger? Uh, because being a kid, you know, I suppose it's, playing a game i mean did you feel like it was hard work you know being on set was never hard work being on set was uh it was a dream it was absolutely wonderful you know um i learned so much and i observed so much and you know when i would get a role i would read the script and i would imagine what it was going to look and feel like and then i'd show up on set and see the choices that the the filmmakers had made and it was just such an interesting process. I was mm. I was really enthralled by all of it, you know, not just the acting, but but the camera and production and, and how these, you know, 70 to 120 people were coming together to bring this project to life. I, I was really inf- infatuated by it. Mm. Um, but, you know, with that said, uh, yeah, as a kid, you, you do feel the, the pressure of it, you know, um, I think especially with the auditioning process. Um, there is inherently a lot of rejection involved in that. And then, you know, what's even more tough, though, is when you get really close, right? There, there was a few films or TV shows growing up where you get the call back, you go back to meet the director, you go back to, for the mix and match. And at that point, you start to really understand uh, the gravity of the situation and, and, you know, option A, getting it, option B, not getting it. And mm. you understand... Um, the opportunity that would come with with that, um, be it who you're working with, and also the financial, you know, opportunities. So, so yes, I was aware of the entirety of what I was doing, not just the creative aspect of it, but the business aspect of it. Mm. And I think for a child, um, being aware of the business side of it can be a complicated thing. Mm. I mean, kids often change their minds 
as often as their socks. So, you know, when you was younger, was there any point where you, you thought, you, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to do something else. I want to be, you know, I, I know what kids want, want to be like a footballer or, or something like that. Was there any point in your early career that you thought, you know what, I don't want to do it anymore? Yes, there was. And it was at a pretty young age. But the thing that I wanted to do was to direct films. So it sort of felt like, even though I knew I wasn't doing exactly what I wanted to be doing, the advantage that I was gaining by acting um, was was huge. Mm. You know, so I, I knew that I wanted to, to be in film just in a slightly different capacity. So for me to get to be on set and again, uh, absorb everything that's going on around me uh, felt like a pretty good trade. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've got to say, your early work is fantastic, and you know, you you then you know come to the attention of of you know the globe in the Mighty Dogs because that literally took the world by storm. It really, really did, and it's cemented in our culture to this day, which I think is phenomenal. It really is for a film that's got so much heart and so much meaning to it. So, if you could talk us through how you got the part of Guy. Jermaine on that movie because that mm. must must have been experienced because you know the cast is just full of kids so what was that process like getting the role yeah so um you know just before uh, I booked the Mighty Ducks um I was in Belgium uh and I just started production on this film called uh Dog of Flander and it had uh Max Van Sydow in it and uh and Ed Harris and I was going to be the lead role, and it was very exciting. And we got out there, we did the fitting and the table read, and um, we had gotten, I think, one day in of principal photography. And uh, the producers had a falling out with the director, and suddenly the financing just disappeared. Um, so my family and I were, were in Belgium, and my two older brothers had been pulled out of school. They were going to do homeschooling for the year because – we were going to live in Belgium for four months and then travel around Europe. Uh, suddenly that film wasn't happening. Um, so the person who was subletting our place in L.A. Uh, had a place in New York. So we went to New York City and we were living in New York City in Hell's Kitchen and really just trying to figure out what we were going to do next as a family. And uh, the Mighty Ducks came along. And um, I'm sure you know, um, my brother Eldon Henson is also an actor. And so, like you said, there was a bunch of roles. And so, you know, I think we, we each read for, for a couple different roles. Um, and uh, I was up for Charlie for a minute, and then they ended up offering me Guy Germain. And, you know, it was just one of those things where it was uh, the solution we were greatly needed given our current predicament of being in this weird apartment in Hell's Kitchen. And we really didn't know what this film was or what it was going to be. We were just kind of happy to be moving on to the next thing. Mm. Uh, and at that point, uh, it was just me who had gotten a role. And uh, Eldon, my brother, was up for Fulton Reed. And um, Disney ended up passing on him. They said that, uh, that he wasn't uh, tough enough. And they wanted uh, Jordan Kern, the producer, to go back to Minnesota and try to cast a local there. Um, so what Jordan ended up doing was flying my brother Eldon to Minnesota 
and uh, dyeing his hair black and putting a fake scar on his cheek and uh, screen testing him under a different name. Um, <laughs> and so he did that and sent the audition tape to the execs over at Disney and they said, yeah, see, great, like this guy is perfect. And uh, Jordan said, well, great, you can have him, but that's actually Eldon and I just dyed his hair. So, you know, let him act. And um, so that's that's how we ended up both getting the role. And uh, for us both to be able to be in the same movie together and travel out to Minnesota, it just solidified itself as just kind of the dream opportunity. And there you uh, go, a young picture of you. I mean, when you look at pictures like that, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Because, you know, it was such an awesome franchise. It really, really was. And, um, yeah, I mean, we all grow older, unfortunately. But yeah. I tell you, I tell you what. I mean, you know, when I look back at pictures of me, I'm a lot less grey. Uh, you're still looking very, very young. I mean, you're was it 42 now? Um, yes, yes, I am. So looking very, very young still. And I mean, what is your first impression when you see pi- pictures of yourself in the ducks outfit? I mean, I was just yeah, just so young and so innocent. Um, <laughs> I mean, and, Marguerite uh, did mention, um, you know, how much fun everyone had at boot camp. And, you yeah. know, did you know how to skate before taking on the role? Uh, and, and, you know, how fast did you learn? And what was that experience like? Because I couldn't think of anything worse than ice skating. I'm useless. Uh, I can ice skate, but I can't stop, which I think is even more hilarious. So how was boot camp for you with the rest of the guys? Did everybody behave? And what was the experience like? Yeah, um, I had never really skated before, uh, before I got the role. Uh, pretty sure I, I told them that I could. Um, as you know, kids like, are instructed to say, "Oh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yes, of course, I can. I can ride horses. I can, <laughs> I yeah. can fence. I can, you know." Uh, but that was the case with most of the kids. Most of the kids didn't know how to play. And luckily for us, in in D one, we were the worst team, right? We weren't even supposed to be very good, so it it there wasn't a, a huge learning curve for us. Um, but uh, yeah, they sent us to a four week hockey camp. Uh, before we started principal photography and it was a blast we skated i mean all day you know i think we had like two separate ice times of three hours and uh, so we were just on skates all day long for four weeks and i fell in love with the game i i i absolutely loved it um uh i took to it really well and uh i ended up playing um all through uh junior high and high school afterwards in los angeles um, and, uh, yeah, you know, it was, um, the, the, the boot camp was, was a lot of fun as was, as was shooting, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, they really, um, because there was a whole group of us, they really just wanted us to remain kids and have a lot of fun. And then they did their best to capture that, mm-hmm. you know, um, I've been on other sets as a kid where it was a bit more serious and you understand that you're an adult in, in an adult world and you do your best to be respectful and, and jump in and do your job when the time comes. But with the ducks, they really wanted us to be free and to have fun and to just be as natural as possible. So they really let us kind of run wild a bit mm. and, you know, did the best just corral us. Um, so the shoot was the shoot was just wonderful. And the next question is, who was the worst and who was the best skater during boot camp? 
Uh, I was definitely one of the best. Um, <laughs> let's see, Brandon was also very good. Um, you know, uh, when we were shooting, um, a lot of the crew had also played hockey. So when we would break for lunch, we would often just push the, the, the camera gear off to the side and uh, play pickup hockey um, during lunch break. And, you know, we'd have like um, Steve Brill, the writer out there and the camera up and the gaffer, just anyone who had skates would throw them on and come out and, and play a little bit of pickup. And uh, Brandon always put on the goalie gear because we needed a goalie. And we're all endlessly grateful for him for doing that. Uh, who was the worst? Um, I don't know. I, 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 I mean, you know, like I said, like we didn't have to be very good. So, you know, it, it didn't matter. <laughs> Do you know what? You're so nice saying that because when I asked Marguerite the same question, hands down, she said Emilio. Emilio uh... was, was, was was the worst. But, I, you know, in, in D1, when you see Emilio on, on the ice, I am guessing that they used maybe like a, a stunt ice skater double uh, for some of those scenes because... You know, it's pretty impressive. But to get on the ice and actually ice ice skate, I think thinks great anyway. Um so Yeah. But you know, to to that I would say, um, you know, when you're when you're ten years old and you're putting on skates for the first time and practicing for four weeks, that's a very different experience than mm -hmm. being a being an adult and you know, and trying to go through that same process, you know. And kids are fearless. Kids are so they don't care. Yeah, yeah yeah kids will literally hit that ice get back up adults i yeah. suppose fear falling down and breaking yeah. something so obviously the franchise has been around for so many years why do you think it has lasted so long and loved by so many um it, it's a great question um i have recently uh watched ducks one and I think what really stood out to me as remarkable um, was the heart. Mm. It was really a lot of a lot of heart in that story. You know, they 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 threaded that needle of um, being funny and and sarcastic and 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 sentimental without being too overly sentimental. Mm. And uh, you know, it's it's like a, a group of kids who who end up like really caring and wanting to win and. Uh, I think I think I, for me, I think I think that heart is what what really sets it aside. And what's your fondest memory of working on the whole franchise? I mean, what will always stay with you? The friendships, you know, um, because there were three of them that we did. Uh, I was eleven in the first one, and I think turning sixteen in the last one. And so to get to grow up with these group of kids and one of them being my brother uh was so magical you know mm -hmm. and the relationship that i have now with um with vinnie who played adam banks and and brandon um and sean weiss and you know all this mm -hmm. marguerite everybody like they really are my family mm. you know and i've really come to uh, appreciate that more and more the older that i get mm -hmm. um so yeah, it's the, the the companionship. And I've got to say, everyone secretly hates a reunion because, you know, you all get back together and and straight 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 away. You wor you're worried about how you look. You're worried about if you've lived your life well enough. Um, but you guys had a reunion on 
Game Changers, which I've got to say mm. is fantastic. I've got a picture here of you guys all together on the ice, which nice. I think I think is fantastic. I mean, what was that experience like? Because again, the the new the new show is fantastic. It's in the second se- season at the moment. Um, but I love the fact that we saw the OG players come back, which I think is awesome. What what was it like getting back on the ice in those uniforms, you know, after so many years? I the, you know putting on the, the uniform was was surreal. That that felt very strange. I felt like I was being transported back to another time in my life. Um, but getting to see everybody was was really special. Getting to see Steve Brill, who wrote the original Mighty Ducks, um, to be with him on set again was mm-hmm. was so much fun and. Uh, you know, for me, the big win with that uh, was getting to see Emilio because he's someone who I haven't seen since we shot Mighty Ducks 3. And a lot of these other cast members I've gotten to see over the years. But with him, it's, it's, it had been a lifetime. And so to get to, um, to hang out with him again and catch up. And for me, as an adult, um, to... Um, to see that he was just as amazing and kind as I remembered him to be during my childhood um, was really meaningful. He's a, a really kind person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was really, really good to us kids uh, on the Mighty Duck sets. And so to get to see him again and, and catch up was was really, really nice. We, and we, yes, to your point, the show we, is fantastic. Mm, <laughs> when it yeah. came out, I, I, I really enjoyed it. And did you give any of the cast mem- members any advice, any of the uh, newbies to the business? Yeah, I mean they were they were they were really sweet. They were really excited to to meet us, and uh, you know, if if I did give any advice, it was just to um, just to be grateful for the experience, you know, mm-hmm. and take it in. I mean, talk, talking about Emilio, because obviously at the time of filming Mighty Ducks, Emilio was at, at the height of his career. I mean, did you, mm. did you, you know, realize who he was? Did you know that you were sharing the screen with such an established, well-known Hollywood star at the time? Yeah, I, yeah, I did. I did. I mean, um, Young Guns had already come out, right? Mm-hmm. Young Guns, I loved as a kid. Mm. Um, but, you know, those things don't hold the same weight when you're a kid. Like, yeah, mm. I knew that he was, you know, uh, an important actor. But uh, at least for me, it, those kinds of things didn't phase me as a child the same way that they would now. Mm. Um, and I think especially because he was so generous, that's not how he held himself. You know, he's he's the, the, the type of actor who um, knows everybody's name. You know, when he shows up on set, it takes him 20 minutes to get from the, the car to his trailer because he's stopping and having a quick chat with every person that he comes across. He's very humble and, and very kind. So that's who he became to me um, mm. very quickly over the celebrity. Which is Which is really nice to hear because Emilio is one of my idols i just think he's fantastic in anything that he's in so it was really nice for him to come back for season one of game changers i just thought it was Mm. awesome to see many years Mm. later taking on the uh, role of bombay again but did you manage to uh, swipe any souvenirs from any of the movies 
Yeah, you know, I've got, um, of course, all my jerseys. You know, the original Ducks jersey, the District 5 jersey, and um, as well as the Junior Olympics jersey. Um, I've got more hockey gear stuffed in my mom's basin than I know what to do with. (laughs) Um, And, uh, you know, what I really wish I had was, um, you know, the wardrobe lady always made me wear this really silly hat. At the time, I I really, I despised it. I, I, there, me and some of the other cast would joke that, um, that the wardrobe lady doesn't like me for some reason. And that's why. She dresses me the way that she does. Uh, But now as an adult and because uh, I have a different perspective on all of that stuff and I'm just so honored to have been in a film that stood this test of time and I'm really proud of being a part of this franchise. I, I really wish I had that ridiculous hat. Well, if anyone out there, I mean, the sponsors of my show, which are Prop Store, they deal with screen use props and costumes. So mm. I can always put the word out and see if we can track that hat down. And who knows? Who knows? You might see it, it once again best. one day. I, I, I asked Matt this same question because it always fascinates me with, with child actors continuing in the business. So you know, you've been in this massive franchise, you know, how difficult is it to leave a massive franchise being 16, as you said, and to continue in the industry with the amount of expectations on your shoulders, you know, to make it big, Uh, you know, how much pressure did you feel leaving this franchise going forwards in this career? Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, um, I didn't feel that much pressure because for me, it was, I'm going to go to college. Mm. And when I go to college, that's basically going to be it for me with acting. I'm going to start to figure out how I want to come back into it as an adult from a different perspective and try to get more involved in production. Um, but, you know, it's really difficult to have um, success as a kid. And mm. I, I certainly wasn't, you know, the most successful or most famous child actor, but um, I did book a lot of things and uh, I made, you know, enough money to put myself through college and help support my family. And, um, you know, then going into my twenties where life is just hard, right. And and Mm -hmm. you're trying to find your way and, you know, you, you're knocking on doors and they're not opening and, I remember in my 20s having this worry that the most successful time of my life was behind me and I was mm. 24 and that 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 was tough you know that was a lot to to wrap my my head around um and you know I think for for people who want to continue acting ki- kids who are child actors who want to make that transition into adult acting and are, are grinding away and, and, um, and not getting the responses they want. Um, I've seen that happen and that Mm. that's, that's really difficult, Mm. you know, to, to sort of go from booking all the time and then suddenly you're 20 and, and no one's returning your calls. And and that's, that's gotta be really tough. Mm. Uh, and then there's those few who are able to make that, transition you know i worked with um elijah wood and and huck finn when i was a kid and and he's had you know a a beautifully impressive Mm -hmm. career 
as an adult and as has Josh Jackson and Keenan Thompson and, and my brother Eldon. And so uh, that's kind of the best case scenario when people are able to make that transition. Mm. Um, but it can be hard. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I suppose it's the expectations. Um, but again, I mean, being 20-odd, I suppose the world is your oyster still on what you want to do. I mean, with your kids, I mean, have they shown any aspirations to go into acting or is that something that you'd rather them not do? <laughs> um, aside from acting in a project that I'm making... Um, <laughs> that is not an option for them. <laughs> like they, uh, no, they, they, they wouldn't be allowed to do that. Uh, nor do I think they would want to. Okay. Um, my, my boys are, um, are, uh, quiet and, and shy and a little introverted. And, um, those are things that I really, uh, cherish about them. Mm. And I wouldn't want to force them to do something that would make them uncomfortable. And I think mm. for them, I mm. think, uh, being in front of a camera and lights and a bunch of people, I think that would make them uncomfortable. I mean, looking at your body of work, like I mentioned earlier on, literally a lot of the films and projects that you've been involved with was literally my upbringing. There's one movie um definitely mm. that affected me when i was younger literally i could not sit on a toilet seat for at least a month and i'm not talking about casper the friendly ghost i'm talking about arachnophobia because this mm. film i'm going to put a post post poster up in the uk it had a pg rating which is parental guidance <laughs> my dad used to let mm. me watch pgs without even looking at the movies I mean, this is one of mm -hmm. the most scariest films I've ever seen in my whole life. Uh, move aside Michael Myers and Freddy Krueger. So, uh, you know, what was the experience like working on arachnophobia? Because was it as scary to work on than it is to watch? That was um, one of the, the, the most fun times I had uh, as a kid uh, on set. Um, that movie was, um, well, first of all, it was, it was huge. It was mm -hmm. a huge movie, you know, going into it, Steven Spielberg was producing and Jeff Daniels was acting in it. It was a really big budget. And, you know, when I showed up on set for the first day, I saw that, you know, I saw how many trailers there were, um, holding all the equipment and just how big that crew size was. And, and you really, you felt like you were a, a part of a, a really big machine. And so it was humbling to, to see that. Um, as far as the, the spiders go, uh, they did a really great job preparing everybody. We had to go to a spider orientation uh, to get familiar with the spiders. And so, you know, on the first day, it would be uh, one of the, the bigger spiders in a, in a plastic bag on the end of a stick. And then the next time you come back, it's just the spider on the end of a stick. And then it's the spider in the plastic bag and you're holding the plastic bag. And then eventually you're just letting the spider crawl on you. And so through this like slow conditioning process, you became familiar with the way that the spider moves and felt more comfortable anticipating what was going to happen. And so um, it really became just this normal thing. Uh, there's one scene in the movie where we um, all the little baby spiders have hatched and they're taking over the whole house and we're running up the stairs to try to climb out the window. And um, 
so for that for that shot they 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 brought in hundreds of spiders and they just placed them on the walls and throughout the house and everybody cleared frame and they yelled action and we we did the did the shot they called cut and everyone would just came running in and they had those big uh like five gallon buckets like from from home depot type mm. of thing like a painter's bucket and everyone was just grabbing spiders and dropping them into the buckets and trying to help out and uh and that's just sort of how it became it just became a, a very regular regular practice um but uh, I'm pretty sure that they lost hundreds of those spiders on the Universal lot because when they yelled yell, cut, the spiders would scamper. And see, 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 that's that's the difference with movies made back then because now it would sadly be all CGI and you wouldn't see a spider in sight. Um, you know, Absolutely. so so they were the good old days and they don't make movies like that or the Mighty Ducks or you know, all the others, you know, today. I mean, you know, I don't know if it's nostalgia for me, but I've got to say, absolutely love arachnophobia. I've only, okay, I've only watched it once because I only needed to watch it once. I'm, I'm not going to watch it again. My girls are petrified of spiders because it's that time of the year at the moment where it's very cold and damp outside. So all the spiders are coming into the house. Um, mm. So my kids scream the house down every time they see a spider. So then I've got to man up and be the proper dad and and get rid mm. of it. But secretly I'm screaming inside like a little girl. I really, really am. But apparently they're remaking Arachnophobia. So Is that right? yeah, they are. It's slated. It's pre-production as we speak. Okay. You know, would you like okay. to do a cameo uh, in that movie? Uh, yeah, sure. Of course. Of course. I mean, that's another one. Like you said, it's, that's a, that's a huge, that's a huge movie. And another one that I'm really, um, proud to have been a part of back then. And, um, yeah, and this, this, this world of, of reboots, it certainly makes sense that they would remake that one. Mm -hmm. Uh, and yeah, yeah, of course I'd want to be a part of it. And I wanted to just quickly touch on a show that I used to watch, at my nan's on a Sunday afternoon. And it was one of my mm. favourite shows. I thought he was actually real. We're talking about Michael Landon in Highway to Heaven, uh, which mm. I just thought was a magical, again, full of heart. You know, it mm. was just an awesome show. And you appeared in two episodes of that show. What was that like to work with that man? Because literally, he commands the screen. He, he just... It just seems like such an amazing man. I mean, what was that experience at such a young age like? Yeah, uh, you know, even then I felt like I was in the presence of somebody special. He was uh, really one of the kindest people I've ever met. Um, and, you know, it was really interesting coming onto his set. All of his crew members certainly at least all the department heads were like in their 60s and 70s because they'd been with him since bonanza wow. you know he's he's one of those filmmakers who when he finds someone that he that he gels with he just wants to hang on to that person and so his crew really was like a family and so being on his set was very very harmonious and calm and peaceful and uh yeah, I'm. I, I really I count myself lucky uh, having having met Michael Landon. I really do. He was so wonderful to me. And as you said, I, I got brought back for another episode. So um, 
I became very familiar with him, and uh, it was um, it was really special getting to know him. Mm. And then you know we've got to talk about um, conventions because literally mm. this December Wales Comic Con, but it's not in Wales; it's actually in Telford. Um, they mm. moved, um, but it's fantastic venue. I go twice a year um, as press, and I think it's just an, the, one of the best conventions that there is in the uk i really do and i've got a picture mm. just here um i think just there there we go coming up on the screen nice. so you're going to be joining some fellow uh, castmates um what are you looking forward to the most about this convention which is happening on the 3rd and 4th of december with wales comic con yeah i mean i've i've never been to a convention outside of the u.s before Oh. So um, it will be really interesting to um, to meet fans of the movie that are outside the U.S. It still kind of uh, blows my mind that it that it's it's that it's had any kind of like global success, and so it'll be really interesting to um, to get to meet people from the U.K. or, or all over Western Europe and 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 talk about the film. Mm. Um, you know, coming out to these things really, really honestly, the best part is is talking to the fans. Um, it's It really is uh, meaningful and, and impactful to, to hear people's story about how that movie resonated with them. And um, getting to have those conversations really, you know, as, as an artist and a storyteller, kind of just like fills you up in a really special way. And, and you're being joined by some awesome castmates. I mean, Matt Doherty that I had on the show the other week, uh, which he, I don't know if you've caught his play yet that he's he's doing, which is Brothers Play, uh, which is on Kickstarter. Yeah, um, I've had the pleasure of uh -huh. actually watching it. So he sent me a link to the actual vi the video of the play, and it's just an awesome oh, play. Cool. It really, really is. And Marguerite, of course, uh, being on the show, awesome guests like yourself and Matt. Um, you're all going to be there, even Sean Wise, and, and it's just going to be great. I cannot wait. Uh, I'm expecting to see lots of um, duck jerseys um, mm. uh, to be signed. I mean, what's the most common thing that you sign? Is 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 it the jerseys or is it pucks? Is it the sticks? Yeah, yeah. I would say that the jerseys are, are uh, the things that we sign the most. Um, and then, of course, of course, photographs. And uh, yeah. Yeah, to your point. I mean, I, I getting together with with all these castmates is going to be a lot of fun. And um, yeah, you know, Matt Doherty. I, I haven't seen that play, but I've read several drafts of it and mm -hmm. given him notes over the years. And I've sent him <coughs> stuff of mine that he's given me notes on. And uh, so yeah, to get to to be with these guys and go out and grab a dinner will be will be wonderful. And unlike game changers, you won't have to quarantine for for a, a while because you had to quarantine for quite a while before filming uh, your reunion appearance on Game Game Changers. So the great thing is the UK uh, with the pan pandemic, it's near enough gone, which is great. Uh, conventions mm. are back up and running. People, as you said, are taking care of themselves and being thoughtful with testing uh, before going mm. out and going to conventions, which, which is great. Um, but mm -hmm. no, I mean, looking back, oh, I, I forgot to mention Adidas. I don't know if you've seen, but Adidas are doing a 30th anniversary um, collection for the Mighty Ducks. Oh, wow. So they're going to be doing a Hawks jersey 
the Ducks jersey and some trainers to celebrate um, the 30th anniversary. It makes us feel all old that it's 30th yeah. anniversary. <laughs> I was thinking this the other day, looking at like films from from my child childhood, thinking, "Oh dear, you know, it's going back too many years. It really is." Um, so, so the last question I wanted wanted to ask before I bid you farewell, mm. um, it was from actually one of Mar- Marguerite's shows, which is Wet Hot Hot American Summer, which I think's mm. awesome. Uh, there's a line mm. in that show. And the line is, if your life was a movie, what title would it have? So if your life, Garrett, was a movie, what title would it have? (laughs) (laughs) Jeez. Uh, I don't know. Um, gratitude excellent garrett you've been a great guest it's been an honor to have you on and um you know i'm looking forward to all the photo shoots at wells comic con um and meeting you in person uh i'll be down there uh, maybe with a jersey nice. a puck a stick i don't know i haven't decided yet what to get signed um so i'm sure i'll decide before december but thank you so much keep safe and stay super sir Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It was a real pleasure, and uh, I look forward to meeting you in person. Thank you for listening to Be More Super, the podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by PropStore.com. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. To stay up to date with Be More Super and get all the -the behind-the-scenes content, you can follow us on Instagram at Be More Super, the podcast, and on Twitter at Be More Super. Keep safe and stay super.